Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Our scripture reading today is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, which say, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The whole point of the Christian life is to be connected with Christ. And we do that by confessing our sins, by allowing Him to be the Lord of our lives and be submissive to His will. And as we do these things, we not only walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit is energizing us to give us thoughts about Christ and also give us wisdom and guidance and direction. And as we walk in them, we may... This radio edition of Global Times, today we have in our studio Abu Saad, who's from the uh, Middle East. He has quite a ministry there. He's, he's ministering actually in Syria, Iraq, Iran, Lebanon, Jordan, Libya, Sudan, lots of places. So Abu, tell us about um, your ministry and how God called you to serve the Lord. 
Well, thank you for this uh, time. We God uh, called me since uh, 1990 uh, from a vision uh, God uh, uh, gave it to me to reach every home and every tent and to mobilize Arab to reach their country. It started it uh, since that time. Uh, we started to do uh, door-to-door ministry. Uh, today we have also a follow-up ministry, which we uh, concentrate on the discipleship. We make sure that those people are disciples who wants to know about Christ or who are eager uh, looking uh, for C- Jesus, uh, uh, coming through knowing Christ uh, sometimes from vision or uh, through TV or uh, track or radio or different uh, ways. We're uh, reaching out for ethnic groups also. And uh, today it's interesting how God is uh, also uh, using us uh, among those uh, uh, poor refugees who are coming from uh, uh, Syria, out from Syria and out from uh, Iraq. Yeah, it's really uh, interesting. You were telling me about uh, the people that have fled from Iraq, especially into Jordan, and how they're in uh, very tight quarters in the housing there in uh, Jordan. Could you describe that for us? Yes. Um, today, those uh, refugees, especially if we're talking about the Christians who flee from ISIS uh, from Iraq, uh, today they're uh, uh, in Jordan uh, finding homes uh but uh, in every apartment let's say not even homes um how many rooms uh, this uh, home care or this uh, apartment care uh, in each room you find a full family living in that room if let's say this apartment has three rooms uh they have three families even one family in the living room that's a part of one one room so the situation is difficult it's hard they were threatened to be slaughtered just because uh, the name of Christ. Wow. Now, most of these people that call themselves Christian, are they, would you call them born-again Christians? Uh, no. Would they just be... Um... No, those are nominal Christians. Mm-hmm. And uh, God is uh, giving us opportunity again uh, to reach out to those people, uh, to show them uh, who is Jesus and how Jesus cares. Uh, and that's um, a part of uh, showing them we're here today helping you because uh, Jesus care about you. Yeah, and you were to also tell me that uh, you're personally sponsoring, uh, I think it's 12 kids who, who have no way of getting education. You're actually sponsoring them in a Christian school in uh, Jordan? Yes. Um, after uh, uh, looking to those uh, uh, families, even uh, uh, after counseling and even sharing Christ with them, it was... Um, uh, always good uh, for sure because uh, the word of God will always you know refresh uh, refresh our spirit and our soul uh, but one of the things I find out that really refresh them as a family and give them opportunity to hear more and deeply I want to say uh, the word of God that when we start to take those kids and put them in a school and not any school uh, Christian schools so we can see now the family are back gathered as a uh, yes in a bad situation but uh, still uh, the, uh, but you can see uh, how their family engagement again together and with Christ uh, this time yeah that has to encourage their mom and dad of all these children how about uh, did the, is there any jobs for these people how they how they support themselves even though they're living together and all this uh, it seems like it's got to be a terrible burden to pay a rent or or feed yourself and keep yourself in clothing Yes, uh, you know, as you know, this is still new. Uh, just a couple of months ago, they start to flee 
uh, those men they're trying to find out um, any jobs uh, anything uh, to make it uh, in daily basis so basically they're using their savings to to support themselves at the present moment well the savings they paid the rent uh, and that's uh, some of the families we don't know they don't know even if they are going to um, can continue after two months uh, after that or no so to uh, stay in the house yes yeah. so that's uh, that's really we don't know how the situation uh, is going on there's a burden on everyone uh, and it's uh, we're not talking about 10 or 100 but hundreds even thousands of families please pray for us uh, that yeah, we, we can god will give us wisdom how to deal with this situation it's not about just food or uh, or uh, you know it's it's a it's a family and life mm, yes know? well abu thank you so much for sharing this and uh, we'll continue this uh, discussion next week the lord bless you and we certainly will be praying because what a great opportunity to meet physical needs with the idea of sharing Christ and bringing them into the kingdom of God. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we continue to ask that you would continue to support our ministry. This month, we're offering the booklet entitled, He Did This Just For You by Max Licato. This is a wonderful booklet, I believe, for the beginning of the year. Uh, it's basically a booklet that talks about what Christ did on the cross and the fact that he died for our sins and took our place and gives new life and, and wants to have a relationship with each one of us. And that's really described very well in this booklet. And I thought since it's the first, uh, first month of the year, that this would be a good booklet to have to share with friends just to be encouraged and be blessed by the gospel once again and it might give us a fresh start for the year to, th to see how we could share the gospel throughout the year to uh, to reach people for Christ and so I highly recommend this booklet I think it'll really be a wonderful encouragement to each of us who are believers in Christ but also, it'll be a tremendous blessing to those who uh, receive this from you. So it's an evangelistic tool that uh, you can use. This month, we're offering this booklet entitled, He Did This Just For You. Uh, to order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York. One four two three one. Sometimes Sometimes praise the Lord. Sometimes gently singing our hearts in Sometimes, Alleluia, sometimes praise the Lord, sometimes gently singing our hearts in one accord, sometimes gently Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is entitled, Faith Once Delivered, 
I know the Lord will bless you as you listen to this wonderful God-inspired message. Printed copies are available upon request. Last week, I outlined a list of subjects we propose to deal with in this series of talks entitled, The Faith Which Was Once Delivered Unto the Saints. Our object is to examine the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith with two goals in mind. First, to help Christian men and women give an articulate scriptural answer to those who ask them what they believe and why. And two, to help dispel the appalling ignorance of what true Bible Christianity is all about, so prevalent in the secular society of our times. The cardinal truth I want to discuss today is the doctrine of the divine authorship and preservation of the Bible. This subject involves two related questions. One, did God at some time in the past provide mankind with a perfect written revelation of divine eternal truth? And two, if so, has he preserved that perfect written revelation so that we may rightly claim to have in our possession today a word-perfect Bible that is in very truth the verbally inspired, divinely preserved, infallible, and inerrant Word of God. This matter certainly is not a mere academic exercise. There is at stake so much that affects and therefore should concern us all. It goes without saying that if the Bible is really the infallible and inerrant Word of God, it is by far the most valuable and important book in the world. It is humanity's one and only source of absolute knowledge pertaining not only to this life, but to the life to come. Anyone would be a fool to ignore or be indifferent to such a book. Now the fact is the Bible claims to be the infallible and inerrant Word of God. If its claims are false, then it is a fraudulent hoax, a book claiming to be something it is not, in which case it stands self-discredited and unworthy of our attention. You see how much hinges on the question of whether it is or is not the book it claims to be? The first proposition I present to you is that there is a wealth of irrefutable evidence supporting the Bible's claims of divine authorship and therefore infallibility. Its human writers consistently affirmed that the words they wrote were not their own, but were words they were moved to write and speak by the Holy Spirit of God. Few of the writers were learned men in a literary sense, and yet the Bible represents the highest standard of literary style and diction in every language into which it has been translated. How is this possible? The only rational explanation is that the human writers were mere tools in the hands of God, who was the real author of what they wrote. Further proof of divine authorship is evidenced by the matchless harmony within the 66 books comprising the canon of Scripture. Think of it. Some 40 different writers, many of them unknown to each other, writing about subjects they acknowledged they did not understand. And over a period of 1,600 years, and yet there is not one single contradiction within or between the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. Impossible if they were the authors, but perfectly logical and understandable if God was the author of all Scripture, as the Bible affirms. Further proof is provided by the literal exactitude with which Bible prophecies have been fulfilled. The human writers, left to themselves, could not possibly have foretold future events 
in such detail and with such accuracy. The Bible's longevity and endurance despite concerted efforts to destroy it bears further witness, not only to its divine authorship, but divine preservation. And certainly no honest investigator would deny the supernatural experimental effect it has had on the lives of the millions who have read and studied and believed and responded to the truth it affirms. No book written by men could possibly produce such results. But for many Christians, the most conclusive proof of all is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. During his earthly ministry, he repeatedly quoted from the Old Testament books, affirming that what was there written was the Word of God. He urged his disciples to search the Scriptures as the divine record that testified of him, and rebuked the doubters as fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He not only placed his stamp of divine authenticity on the Scriptures, but affirmed God's intention to preserve them inviolate for all time. He said, Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. This matter of divine preservation has become a key issue in our day and generation. While millions acknowledge the conclusive evidence that God did in times past give to mankind a perfect written revelation of truth, many are in doubt as to whether he has preserved that revelation inviolate throughout the centuries. In other words, while accepting the divine verbal inspiration of the original manuscripts, they question the literal accuracy of the translations we have in our possession today. One clear evidence of this attitude, even among Christians, is the multiplicity of translations and revisions they have embraced in recent years, each claiming to be a more accurate translation than its predecessors. To say a translation is more accurate than a previous translation implies that it still is not 100% accurate, therefore obviously cannot be literally the inerrant Word of God, because if it was, it would be totally free from errors of any kind. In considering this matter, three important facts must be kept in mind. One, no original manuscripts of the Scriptures have been in existence for centuries. Therefore, unless God has miraculously preserved the divine perfection of His original revelation, we have no infallible Bible today. Two, unless God has preserved His original perfect revelation, the purpose of giving it in the first place has been defeated. He obviously gave it initially because He wanted mankind to have an accurate revelation of truth. It is inconceivable that He would permit that purpose to be thwarted. And three, if God has not preserved His Word inviolate, the cardinal doctrine of individual accountability is seriously impaired if not destroyed. The Bible affirms that God holds us individually accountable to Him. The basis of that accountability is that we have been given a perfect revelation of God's will, so that we know precisely what is expected of us. If that revelation has been lost or impaired, 
The basis for accountability is gone. Again, it is inconceivable that God would permit that to happen. Turning to the historical records, we quickly discovered that there are two distinct lines of descent from which came the numerous Bibles we have today. It is equally obvious that from the beginning, one line has been marked by imperfections and inaccuracies, while the other line possesses all the hallmarks of divine preservation and inerrancy. Let me briefly trace the two lines of descent. The Old Testament originals were in Hebrew, the New Testament originals in Greek. The first known translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek was known as the Septuagint and was made in Alexander, Egypt in 277 B.C. From the outset, the accuracy of the Septuagint was questioned by Hebrew scholars and rejected by Orthodox Jews. It was in existence at the time of Christ, but there is no indication that he ever quoted from it or recognized it in any way. Three alleged copies of the Septuagint are still in existence. They are the Vaticanus Manuscript in the Vatican at Rome, the Alexandrian Manuscript, and the Sinaitic Manuscript. These together with translations of the Septuagint into Latin, made in the second century and called the Latin Vulgate, and revised in the fourth century by Jerome, together with copies of New Testament Greek manuscripts, became the basis for a long series of translations and revisions. Some of the better-known editions are Bede's translation into Anglo-Saxon in the 8th century, a 9th century revision named after Alfred the Great, Wycliffe's translation into English in the 14th century, and the Dewey Bible in English produced in 1582 and adopted by the Roman Catholic Church. Also in the 15th century, there was Coverdale's English translation and Matthew's revision. There was the Great or Chain Bible, of which the Geneva Bible of 1560 was a revision, with a further revision in 1568 known as the Bishop's Bible. In 1881, Drs. Westcott and Hort, two liberal theologians who didn't accept the doctrine of divine preservation of the Scriptures, produced their Greek New Testament, which together with the Old Testament translations and revisions I've mentioned, became the basis for the English Revised Version of 1885 and the American Revised Version of 1901. Most of the multiplicity of the modern revisions so widely promulgated today are based on manuscripts identified with this long chain of inaccurate translations and revisions. The other line of translations is very different. It goes back to the copies of the Old Testament Hebrew originals and of Greek New Testament originals preserved by faithful, often persecuted churches and bodies of believers during the long period and dark ages between the days of the early church and the 16th century. These faithful preservers of the faith once delivered included the Syrian church whose center had been Antioch, from where Paul and Barnabas began their first missionary journey, the Italic church in northern Italy, the Waldensian church, the Greek Catholic church, the Gaelic church of southern France, and the Celtic church of Britain. From these preserved manuscripts, including the pure Greek text known by such names as the Textus Receptus, Received Text, Majority Text, 
Byzantine text or Reformation text, Erasmus and Stevanus made their Greek copies early in the 16th century. From these, Tyndall made his English translation of the New Testament in 1525 and was working on his translation of the Old Testament when he was martyred in 1536 for his loyalty to and defense of the faith once delivered unto the saints. It was from these manuscripts that what became known throughout the Christian world as the authorized or King James translation of the Bible was produced by a committee of dedicated godly scholars in 1611 to become the universally recognized and accepted Bible for the next 350 years. One of the saddest and most regrettable trends of recent years has been the movement away from that blessed book that carries all the hallmarks of both divine inspiration and divine preservation to the multiplicity of imperfect modern translations and revisions stemming from the other line of manuscripts so lacking in evidence to support their claims to be more accurate translations of the Word of God. The modern concept, held even by many Christians today, is that there is no divinely preserved in word-perfect translation of the Bible, that the truth of God and will of God is to be discovered by comparing the numerous translations, each differing from the other, and then using our human judgment to decide which to believe. The inevitable result is confusion and uncertainty as to precisely what is the inerrant Word of God. We reject this concept as being contrary to the facts of history, to the Bible's own testimony, and to Christ's personal assurance that His Word forever settled in heaven will likewise be preserved on earth as long as time shall last. That's why we affirm without apology or reservation that as far as the Bible and the English language is concerned, the King James authorized translation, like the earlier manuscripts from which it came, has all the hallmarks not only of divine inspiration but of divine preservation, and is in very truth the verbally inspired, infallible, and inerrant Word of God. We accept it and commend it to you as the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You can rest your priceless soul on the accuracy and reliability of every word it contains. We likewise commend to you the matchless divine Christ of the Bible, for it is of him the Scriptures bear witness. Above all, we urge you to respond to what those Scriptures tell you of your need of God's forgiveness and of His willingness to receive and forgive and save to the uttermost all who will come to Him through the divine person of His Son. If you've never done so before, we urge you to open your life to Jesus Christ today and receive Him. Uh, we have this booklet that I'm highly recommending for this month. It's the first month of the year, and uh, it's called He Did This Just For You. It's really an evangelistic booklet that Max Lucado has written, and we trust that you will write in and uh, get your copy. One of the things that we're concerned about here at Canada's National Bible Hour is not only that people will continue to be challenged and grow in their faith and be encouraged, but also that those who listen to our broadcast would come to a, a saving knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that they would be born again. He loves you. He loves all of us. And he wants us all to come to repentance. He wants all of us to have a relationship with him. And can, you can do that by asking him to come into your life, confessing your sins to him. That's exactly what I did years and years ago. And since that time, my life has been totally changed, and I'm sure yours will be too. You can get the booklet by Max Licato. Uh, he did this just for you by writing to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also listen to past broadcasts of Canada's National Bible Hour on our website at missiongo.org, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. And we also have a 24-hour Christian radio station, which has some of the great hymns of the faith and really good preaching on that 24-7 at missiongo-radio.org missiongo-radio.org 